Joe Lenardi, uh, ESPN bracketologist, and a name you know and a guy you know uh, this time of year especially. And, Joe, you're a busy man. I appreciate your time. How you doing today? I'm doing just fine, John, and uh, congratulations to Scott Drew and the Bears. Very good. Thank you very much. I will pass that along. Uh, can we start? Already? Right? Go ahead. I already did. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Coach Drew, uh, you spent the whole trip back, and that's a long trip from West Virginia answering text. So you can imagine, uh, you know, everybody he heard from after that game. Uh, can can we start there? Uh, no question, Baylor is a, is a one seed for the tournament, right? No question. I don't think you need a bracketologist to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of local bracketologists here in Waco that uh, you know would would uh, certainly follow suit with that. Uh, how are things shaping up this year? You know, it's a different year with the COVID protocols. Some teams have played less. Baylor will play less games than some of their counterparts in the Big Twelve. Is that affecting uh, you know what you do? Sure, it's affecting what everybody in the game is doing, just trying to keep their teams on the court, uh, whether it be practice days or, or game days or travel days or, or now we get into you know elimination games uh, in conference tournaments and, and you know for the chosen 68, the NCAA tournament. I think from Baylor's point of view, uh, you know, win or lose last night, and, and obviously, you know, we do keep scoring. Winning is a whole lot more fun than not. Uh, they clearly showed last night that they're still at the level that we had become accustomed to seeing and should be seated accordingly. Uh you know, for the bulk of the year, we had a one and a one A, right? With right with and the Bears, and then for a few days after the near miss with Iowa State and the loss at Kansas, and you know, like think about where that program has come, where it could be considered a negative to lose a tight game at Kansas, right? Like, yeah, right. That's like, <laughs> right. Like, like people would have laughed at that, <laughs> right? two or three or five or ten years ago. Uh, and and then Michigan kind of laying an egg last night, and maybe they were overdue for that. You really reestablished Baylor as the 1A. And, and I, I thought all along that they were the best uh, team to challenge Gonzaga. I, I just think the Bears are so solid at both ends, and, you know, they have, at least to my eyes, the, the X factor for winning in March and maybe in April, which is the Jared Butler type who either offensively or defensively has just got that it factor to make the play to win the game at the end. Because almost every team, even the best ones, they're not coasting to get on that ladder to cut down the net. They're going to have a game or two that's, you know, 80 to 80 with a minute to go. Yeah. And who is the guy in college basketball that you would most want to have on your team in that moment? I'm not necessarily saying the best player, I'm, although he's close, 
the guy you would most want to have on your team at that moment, and he would have to be on the short list. Yeah. A very short list. Well, we saw it last night. I mean, he's the guy that hit the uh, layup, took it right at Derek Culver, and laid it in to tie the game and force overtime. So, speaking to uh, you know what you were talking about, we just saw it last night. Hey, Joe, uh, I'm looking forward to diving into your book, uh, new book, Bracketology, March Madness, College Basketball, and the Creation of a National Obsession. Uh, congratulations on on the book. What's the what was the beginning for you doing bracketology? Well, a lot of people don't know that, you know, I was the star center on my college team, you know, big time, bulky, five man, low post, you know, beast. Yeah. Uh, of course not. Uh, you, you know, I, I happened to have the good fortune to grow up in what turned out to be kind of an incubator, if you will, for college basketball. And maybe without even realizing it, I was majoring in college basketball. Uh, as an undergrad at St. Joe's in Philly, you know, the pe- pe- people who know anything about Philadelphia basketball know about the Philadelphia Big Five with Villanova, Temple, St. Joe's, Penn and LaSalle. And, you know, when I was still in school, believe it or not, all five of those teams shared a home court, uh, the Palestra right. on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania, and they played the bulk of their home games, certainly all their big games in that building. So, you know, there were double headers all season long, culminated by the ones where they played each other, right, for, right. for the bragging rights of the city. And and that was exciting enough. But, you know, like I, I would see, like I saw Villanova play Syracuse and pa- and Georgetown and Patrick Ewing. I, I saw, you know, LaSalle play Notre Dame. Uh, I, I, I saw the, the great St. Joe's teams with Jim Lynham that upset the Paul when I was in school, and then the Phil Martelli, Jameer Nelson teams that were number one in the country. And, and, heck, when I was a freshman, Penn from the Ivy League went to the Final Four. Wow. Like, think about that. Hmm. So all those Hall of Famers, both on and off the court and media and ADs, administrators, I just fell in love with college basketball and the tournament. Because later, as a reporter in in town, covering the the, the Big Five beat, if you will, uh, there was always a team or two that was in the mix nationally in a given year that would make its runs. Some of them really long, high-seeded runs in which, you know, kind of having an understanding of the tournament and its history was essential to my work on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, you know, looking back, maybe it was natural and partly inevitable that this would happen. All it took was, you know, somebody inventing the internet and somebody inventing ESPN and somebody (laughs) having the crazy idea to point a camera in my direction, because clearly, as my dad often said, Joe, I don't know why they're paying you to talk. Your mother and I would pay double if you would stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's a great history. Joe Lenardi, our guest, uh, ESPN Bracketologist. The new book is Bracketology. Joe, with uh, Jeremiah Dickey leaving Baylor to go take over as AD at Boise State, I found myself keeping an eye on the Broncos sports over the past couple weeks, and I noticed you have them as the first team out of the tournament uh, in your latest rankings. What's it going to take for Boise State to work their way back in? Well, Al Davis you know, had a great line for this, and we saw it in that documentary a couple weeks ago. Just win, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, here are the Broncos 
okay, they go on the road to San Diego State, another really good team. They lose two closely contested games away from home. Not good, but not a death sentence. Come home, lose to a quad four team in the regular season finale, very bad idea when you're on the bubble. Uh, and certainly uh, what I always tell coaches and ADs and administrators and media this time of the year is if you're on the edge, don't give the committee a reason to leave you out. Well, that was one of those moments. So now they got to earn it back. They're going to have to win an up game or two in the Mountain West tournament and maybe get some help elsewhere along the bubble. And remember, like they're not the only bubble team that's going to have a bad loss here. Like, they're bubble teams for a reason, right? If, if, if they didn't have flaws and inconsistencies, they wouldn't be on the bubble. They'd be Baylor or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I still have good hope for Boise. Heck, Seton Hall is one of the last team in. They take the court in three hours. They could lose. Boise State might be back in before we go to bed. <laughs> uh, you know, in a way, I'm like the weatherman. Like, if you don't like the forecast, just wait a day. It'll change. Well, that's good. Hey, so, in your opinion, when you look at college basketball this season, why do you think the Blue Buds are struggling so much? I think it's probably just random. A random occurrence. Uh, although, the you know, the, the, the narrative is a lot of, particularly Duke and Kentucky, you know, kind of the one-and-done powers, if you will, that they didn't have an offseason. They didn't have a preseason. They didn't really have a chance to get their new guys, you know, blended into a team. And and I think there's something to that. You know, the older teams, the Baylors, the Gonzagas, the Michigans, the Illinois, have done a lot better both in the games they played and recovering fairly rapidly when they've had to shut it down with the pandemic. And I don't think that's a coincidence, but I also don't think we're headed into an era where, you know, recruiting the best classes is going to be a negative. <laughs> I, 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 I just think it, it, it's part of a reason to explain what we're seeing. And hopefully like everything else, it's only a one-year phenomenon. Although, you know, there are people out there that, you know, probably are not too unhappy to see a Duke or a Kentucky struggle. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> hey, final thought, and we'll let you move on. Uh, but what about the Big 12? Uh, you know, we think uh, seven teams uh, solidly in the field. How do you look at it right now? I agree. Uh, and selfishly, uh, leagues that make my life easy, and separate and don't have teams to worry about, you know, whether they're going to make it or not, um, automatically bumps them up in my estimation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because, you know, as I try and tell people, the fewer hard decisions that are are there on the board in a given year, the more I get to go to sleep. Hmm. And I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, I mean, the seventh, team at this moment is Texas Tech. Oh. And I mean, they're still Sweet 16 good, right? right. Like we're not worried about Texas Tech. We're just talking about seeding for these guys. And 
I don't think there's any combination of results in the Big 12 tournament that can change their selection. Might seeds move up and down, just like, you know, Oklahoma State's taking a big leap forward with its play and results here in the last week or two? Sure, sure. Could somebody lose to, you know, TCU in an opening round game and hurt themselves? Absolutely. It happens all the time. But hurt yourself and, you know, miss the tournament, that's a pretty wide range of outcomes that doesn't exist for the league this year. Gotcha. Hey, I look forward to diving into the book. Thanks uh, for your time today. Congratulations on the book. And uh, we'll watch uh, for you on an ESPN channel near you very shortly. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. Have a great day. Joe Lenardi, the ESPN bracketologist.